Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Baylife Church Port Stevens. We hope you find this message challenges and inspires you in your daily Christian walk. For more information, visit www.baylifechurch.org.au. Last time I preached two weeks ago, you got really rowdy. And uh, I love that. I love that. I love seeing heads and voices and, and you going, yeah, that's right, that's right. I love that. I love that you were cracking out of that conformity that sometimes we, we get used to and uh, we get really, so it's got off the stage and that's uncomfortable, isn't it? It's, uh, it's like walking amongst you. I, I, just, I just reckon there's a new season. I, I just reckon there's a new season. And, and, and I was just thinking about this, you know, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Not conformity, not, not, not control, none of that stuff. There is freedom. Jesus came to set the captives free. And, and for us, I believe there's a new season for us. There's a new season for our church. There's a new season for us personally. There's yet more to come. God is not finished with any of you yet. He's got so many plans and purposes on your life. And here this morning, I pray, as we just open up and extend this vision of influence for this year and, and hopefully we'll empower you and position you and, 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 and get you ready for what God's going to do in you. But I, I want to say to you, and I said it, I think, the other week, I just reckon it might just get messy in the process, okay? And, and it might not be the way that we've done church before. It may not be the way that, that you expect to do church. I just reckon God's into the new thing. He just wants a new thing. He just wants to break us out of our comfort zones. He wants us to, to break out of our apathy, perhaps, or, or, or our comfortableness. He wants to take us to the new level in Him. And it takes to get uncomfortable for that to happen. It can't happen in the comfort. Let me read you this scripture out of Matthew 5. You know it. You've probably heard it lots of times. Hmm. Matthew 15, oh, sorry, Matthew 5, verses 13 to 16. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. You see, Jesus is talking to you and to me here. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. See, it takes something in us to be the light. It actually takes us to do something. How's your saltiness going? How is that going? Are you still salty or have you lost your saltiness? Are you the light in the world you are part of with friends and families and workmates and people you play sport with, people you go to school with, people you go to uni with? Are you the light or are you just the same as everyone else? Are you, do you stand out or do you just look the same? See, that's the test. Are you the salt? Are you the light? Do you want to make a difference? Well, sometimes we've just got to look different, be different, respond differently. See, Luke 2.52, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature in favor with God and men. It's okay to grow in wisdom and stature to grow in favor with God and men. 
Jesus did it. It's okay for us. It's okay for us to have influence in this community. In fact, it's more than okay. It's really important that we do, that we take it to a new level, that we take this commitment to a new level in Christ, that this isn't a game. This isn't just a club. This isn't something that we just do because it's a nice thing to be part of. We've got a purpose and a mission on this earth. That's to reach this place. Our mission is to reach and positively influence our community and world by building a significant church that loves God, loves people, and loves life. That's why we are here. There's no coincidence you are here. If you're connected to this church, that's our mission. That's what we are here on this earth to do, to make a difference for Jesus, not for ourselves. Yes, there'll be blessing as a part of that, but for Jesus. You know, this influence vision this year for 2018, three words define that, I feel like. Increase, acceleration, and breakthrough. Increase, acceleration, and breakthrough. Increase, acceleration, and breakthrough. I'm believing for increase. I'm believing for acceleration. I'm believing for breakthrough for each one of you. That's been my prayer every day. And I believe this will be a year of influence, both personally and corporately. And we defined it. I'm sorry, Gareth, you're going to have to try and keep up with me. I'm all over the place. But uh, um, the, the, with this seven mountains of influence, we talk about seven f- spheres of influence, I guess, is another way. You know, that these seven mountains are areas that, that we need to be influencing as a church. And, and it's business and government and education and family and arts or entertainment and media and, and church or religion, if you like. And, and, and most of those... See, each one of you is a minister. Each one of you has got a purpose on this earth. That, that God has got you positioned where you're positioned for a purpose. It's not a fluke. It's not just to put food on the table. It's not just to put a, a, a roof over your head. It's actually for a purpose where you are. God has got you specifically positioned for this time. And, and, and God has caused you to be placed where you are to bring godly influence through your skill, through your talent, through your expertise in the workplace, to influence those places positively, to build the kingdom of God. God has got a season for you that you haven't even seen yet. There's yet more to come, and, and I'm, I'm, I believe that each one of us is a minister. Each one of us is a minister in our workplace, where we are. We're there for pur- on purpose. We are to be the salt and the light. We're not meant to be camouflaged. We're not there to hide. We're not meant to pretend that we're not Christians and just go to church on Sunday. No, no, no. We're to be the salt and the light. And, and understand this, that where you work, the marketplace, if you like, is just as important, if not more important, as what we do here on a Sunday. It's a part of the ministry of the church. You are doing ministry every day in your workplace. Are you doing ministry every day in your workplace? That's the question. Actually, are you? Are you being the salt and the light? Are you actually carrying the Holy Spirit with you? And praying for every time you've got a chance to speak into someone's life. Say, God, give me the words. Give me the right words. Give me the right thing to do. Show me what to do here. Show me what to say. What, what should I say here, God? What should I do? Should I give them money? Should I give them the encouragement? Should I give, what, is, what is that thing? What is that thing? And he uses that. If you teach, if you entertain, if you do business, if you administer, if you manage... God is giving that, that ability, that talent, that expertise. And it's to build his kingdom. Yes, 
that brings blessing to you, probably finances as well, but it's to build his kingdom on this earth. And as part of the church, that's what we're here to do, to bring godly influence through our skill, our talent, and our expertise. God cares about your work, and he'll use your abilities in the marketplace to bring glory to his name if we allow him, if we are bold, if we get beyond our comfortableness, if we get beyond our intimidation, our fear. But what will I say? What will I react? Put it into God's hands. Put it into God's hands. You see, God sees your job differently than you do, I think. He's positioned you for it. He, he, he believes that lives were touched and transformed by God through you in your circle. Now, you might say, well, I don't work. That's fine. Wherever you volunteer, wherever you connect, with your friendships, with, with your relationships, with family, with, with whatever you're a part of, you are there for a purpose. And, 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 and this, this scripture jumped into my mind when I was writing this down. Jesus said this, with faith the sight of a mustard seed, you can say to that mountain, move, and it will move. You see, each one of those mountains is like a mustard seed to God. We think they're huge and, and overwhelming. God said, no, no, it's just a mustard seed. Do you have the faith of a mustard seed to believe that? You see, we hear those words. We don't let them go into our hearts and our spirits because they don't make sense. We don't think it's possible. Well, my Bible tells me that all things are possible in Christ who strengthens me. Every single one. Every single thing. All, all. That means all. Every one. <laughs> Not just some. It means all. And I know we go, we, we, in our minds go, well, it can't be all. It's got to be just some. No, no. Jesus says all. His word says all. Really? See, my Bible tells me that Jesus says to us, Whoever believes in him will do even greater things than he has done on this earth. I know. It doesn't make sense. Me? Really? You sure? Well, what's the, what's the, the, the condition here? Do you believe in Jesus for those who believe? Do you believe in Jesus? No, 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 no. Do you really believe in Jesus? Not just intellectually, not just culturally, not just the work, what you're going through, but in your heart, in your mind, your soul. Because if you really did, if you really believed in him, we'd be actually doing greater things than he has done. Now, I actually think that's happening on this earth, through the church, through the body of Christ. There is astonishing things happening across this planet. And it's a choice whether we step into that or not. And I'm stirring you up. This is what my job is, to stir you up, to, to agitate, to, to, to get us to understand who we are in this process, that we've got a purpose on this earth for right now, right this year, to do what God has called us to do. And it's a purpose of influence in whatever region, whatever part of society, whatever part of the world we're a part of, is to influence those people for good, a positive influence. It's time for the church. It's time for us to stand up and be counted. This is a time of influence. I'm telling you, we will look back on these days and they will call them revival days. We will. What's happening across this earth is astonishing. And I know we only get the negative news on the television, on the radio and all that, but I'm telling you, God is doing something amazing. 
And it's whether we're choosing to step in or we step back. <laughs> and I'm not stepping back. <laughs> I'm not stepping back. <laughs> I'm not stepping back. I don't know about you. It's your choice. We've been positioned a point to make influential in one of these seven mountains, these seven spheres, and particularly through whatever area you're called to, through your job, through your career, whatever you're working towards, it's a perfect place to be a world changer, to be an influencer. And God planned it that way. And sometimes it doesn't feel like, I know you get intimidated and you get, I can't say that, I can't do anything, and you feel really contained. You know, we've got four firemen in our church now. One full-time, well, he's sort of part-time because he only, he's only here every now and then, but, but, um, but there's also three retained firemen in our church. And, and the local fireys are calling them the God Squad. <laughs> and, uh, and guess what? They're watching. They're watching them. They're watching what they're doing. They're watching when they clock on and when they clock off. They're watching that they don't fudge the timesheets. They're watching if they show integrity every step of the way. They're watching because they're looking because they want to know more about this. There's an influence. There's a godly influence there. And we're believing for more this year across well, the fires, of course, but across our church, across this region, across Port Stephens. There's more yet to come. There's more yet to come. Increase is one of those components we talked about. You know, we're believing and focusing and positioning ourselves for increase on every level through influencing government and media and community and schools and marriages and parenting, families, salvations. We're believing for that. We're positioning for that. And I found this great scripture in this process of thinking about these mountains and this, this whole area, and it was just so appropriate. It was just such a word from God for me anyway. Psalm 80 verse 10. It's out of the Passion Version if, you, if you've seen that around. It says this, Because of your favor on your vineyard, blessing extended to every mountain of influence. Through this flourishing vineyard, mighty ones were raised up. I don't know if that speaks to you this morning, but I just read that one. Are you kidding me? I didn't know that was in the Bible. It doesn't say it that way in the NIV. But this resonates with me resonates see we are raising up a generation of mountain movers through god through favor in our vineyard through the flourishing vineyard mighty ones are raised up to influence each one of these mountains blessing and every mountain of influence see i love that verse i just love it in history people have been uh, uh, significant positive influence over the world and culture and church and people have had many personal, professional, financial, relational challenges, problems. You know, they had to deal with it in a way uh, uh, and become what God, who God purposed them to be. So it's almost like there's this prerequisite or this, this pattern of uh, growth that happens as a consequence of going through tough stuff. And I know for me personally, when I go through a tough season, it's the time I grow the most. So don't despise the tough seasons. I'm telling you, God will use them for good. I know in them they're horrible. It's horrible. It's, it's t- tough and it's hard and, you, and it feels like chaos. But I, I'm just telling you and I, I want to encourage you, God will use that for you to be a person of influence, of positive influence, if you stay true, if you hang in there. On the flip side is when people seem to have an easy ride to, to positions of influence, their character doesn't keep up with their talent and they don't get the growth 
and very, very, very often they fall in one area or another, and, and it's usually moral failure or, or you know, and you see their life implode. And I guess I, I had this analogy of it's like a um, like a lottery winner, you know, who's never really had to manage their money or save or or, or scrimp or anything like that, and all of a sudden they get all this money. And they don't know how to budget. They don't know how to manage it. And, and, and they aren't experienced or disciplined with finances. And they blow the lot very often and end up worse than they were before with also damaged relationships as a consequence. Because uh, I was reading about this this week and th- I found this fact. It's more likely you'll get struck by lightning than win Powerball. So I thought that was an interesting fact just by itself. But if you do win, there's an even better chance that you'll go broke. Nearly 70% of lottery winners end up broke within seven years. Why is that? Because they haven't had to work towards it. It's been given to them on a platter and it's just like, I don't know how to manage this, and it just implodes. Whereas when we save and we work and we discipline ourselves and we, that, that, that blessing comes financially as a consequence of that, I'm telling you, when you make money, you hold on to it. You make sure you use it well. You're a good steward of all that God's given you. And it, it's just like, it just is a, a great principle to understand that. Here's something else. There's another extension of this thought. I want to press it in a little bit. But these challenges you're facing are preparing for you for the future. I want to read this guy's um, summary of his life. I have read this once before, but he failed in business at age 22. He ran for the legislature at, uh, defeated in 23, as 23. Again, failed in business at 24, elected to the legislature legislature at 25 sweetheart died at 26 had a nervous breakdown at 27 defeated defeated for speaker at 29 defeated for elector at 31 defeated for congress at 34 elected to congress 37 elect sorry defeating congress 39 defeated for senate 46 defeated for vice president at 47 defeated for senate at 49 elected president of the united states at 51 that's the record of abraham lincoln he had way more defeat than wins. And, and what a significant, influential person. You know, I, I did some reading, and, and he has been consistently ranked by both scholars and the public as among the greatest U.S. presidents ever, ever. He, he, he started outlawing slavery back in a time when it was cool to have slaves. You know, it's amazing how the tough stuff prepares us for the influence yet to come. And sometimes we see a person do well in business or as a prominent role or on stage as a performer, a band or something like that, and the media and the press and the others will very often call them an overnight success. But if you delve into their background, they've had years, years of slogging it out because, and because when they just come to the public eye for this part of their journey, they're called an overnight success. But it's built with this foundation of growth and development as the foundation sustains that real influence, that's, that developing influence. Listen to this great quote. I start early, I stay late, day after day, year after year. It took me 17 years and 114 days. He knew it to the day to become an overnight excess, success. Lionel Messi, probably the greatest soccer player they ever played, but playing right now. I'm going to read it again because it, just, it really struck me. Everyone looks at his talent and goes, he's an amazing player. Look what he can do on the field. That's what he says. I start early, I stay late. 
day after day, year after year, it took me 17 years and 114 days <laughs> to become an overnight success. You see, the problem is we hear about the overnight successes. We hear about the money. We hear about the influence. We hear about the successes in people's lives. But very often, we're not prepared to go through the growing process and the pain that has to happen to position us and prepare us for the influence as yet to come. In God terms, it would be like this. We want the promises of God, but without the preparation, without the foundation. We want the promise of God, but not prepared to do anything for it. I'm not prepared to sacrifice anything for it. I want the promise that God's given me in my heart, in my dream, but I'm actually not prepared to work towards it. You want me to do that? Really? Me? Really? And this year, as we expand this idea and vision of influence for our church, I believe God wants to position us, prepare us for the things ahead, both personally and corporately. It can take time. It can take time. It can take pain sometimes. It can take push-through. My favourite quote and philosophy of life is this success is when preparation and opportunity collide success is when preparation and opportunity collide and we could reframe it influence is when preparation and opportunity collide you see it's our responsibility responsibility how are you responding to this how is you how are you responding in this place to prepare ourselves with for that which only god can do see god's he brings the opportunities. We've just got to prepare ourselves. We've got to be ready. See, sometimes we don't prepare ourselves and we, don't, we miss or dismiss the opportunity that God brings because we don't know it's an opportunity. We're not prepared. We're, we're, not, we're not ready to step into what God's got for us. And we want the dream. We want the promise. But we're not prepared to do anything to, do any, to position ourselves for that dream, for that promise. And, and, and very often that opportunity just looks like hard work. We don't recognize that there's a God opportunity. You see, if it was easy, everybody would, doing, would be doing it, right? Like, if it was an easy thing, we'd all be doing it. But it's not an easy thing. So often we think we're believing in faith for something but without the corresponding action. It's just wishful thinking. We want the promises of God. Where are you, God? Why aren't you doing this, God? How come you give me the promise, but, you know, God, I'm sitting here in my lounge and nothing's happening. And, 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 and it's just wishful thinking. We don't want to do the preparation in God. See, James tells us, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. It's our responsibility to do something about that. We need to position ourselves for all that God has. If you've been around here for five minutes, you know one of my favorite words is proactive. You know, oh, I just think we, we need to be proactive in our lives, not reactive. So often we live our lives reactive. We react to this, we react to that person, we react to that situation, those financial pressures, to this, to that, that. God wants us to be proactive and intentional. He wants us to prepare our hearts for all that he's going to do in you and through you, in this church and through this church, to be all that God has purposed us to be, to be the influence that we're meant to be on this planet, in this region. So what are, you, what are we doing? What are you doing personally and corporately to prepare yourselves for this season ahead? If you have faith to believe for the season of influence, what action are you taking right now? What are you preparing for? What's your prayer? What, what, what actions are you building right now? What are you believing for? Where's your faith? Where's the action as a response to that? You know, what we sow is what we'll reap. We can't reap that which we haven't sowed. 
We can't reap in an area that we haven't sowed. If a farmer uh, can't, he can't sow um, corn seeds and expect to get pumpkins. It just doesn't work that way. You know, you can't expect it to do that way. Whatever area you want to reap in, you have to sow in. If you want to have an area of influence in your life, that's where you need to be sowing right now. You know, you're sowing it right now. It's a choice. And the other factor, I guess, is you can't sow today and expect to reap tomorrow. It doesn't work like that. See, that's, they're those pipe dreams. They're those, those wishful thinking. That's that, you want the promise, but I'm not prepared to put the work in. If we sow, there's a season. There's a, a right season before the harvest is ready. There's a, there's a time. There's a, a, a season that might be weeks, months, years. There's, there's a timeline for us, you know, and, and, and when, that, that ha- when that season becomes evident, that's when the harvest is ready and that's when we reap. You know, this business book I read over 30 years ago really impacted me. It's called Seven Habits for Highly Effective People. It's by a guy called Stephen Covey. And uh, there was many things that impacted me as a 20-something business person. And the fact this guy was a Christian and training businesses across the world with these philosophies was just amazing to me. At that stage, I wasn't a Christian. I'm going, hang on, this, this guy's got something. And, and, uh, and, and it was this, how that book that I got, this concept of being proactive instead of reactive or, or inactive, I guess. We have to make a choice in our lives and, and not to be a victim and it's all based on the work of Dr. Viktor Frankl, which was, he was a Jew and he's a, a psychiatrist and he was imprisoned in death camps in Nazi Germany where he experienced horrific things. His parents, his brother, his wife died in these camps either through, um, you know, through the gas ovens or, or through other circumstances. His whole family died basically except for a sister. Frankel was tortured and left wondering from moment to moment if he would to take, if he'd be taken to the gas chambers to himself, or he'd be one of the lucky ones. He'd have to sweep out the human remains and ashes from those same ovens. And this is a quote: One day, naked and alone in a small room, he began to become aware of what he called later the last of the human freedoms, the freedom his Nazi captors could not take away. They could control his entire environment. They could do what they wanted to do to his body. But Viktor Frankl came to the conclusion, and this is a quote of his, everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of the human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstance, to choose one's own way. I don't know if you've got that, if you caught that this morning. He could decide within himself how or if any of that was going to affect him. You see, this is another quote of his. Between stimulus and response, there is a space. Between stimulus and response, there's a space, right? In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. Catch this this morning. This is, this is stunning stuff. As we get that, that stimulus, whether it's someone offending us, someone giving us a hard time, negative circumstances, tragic circumstances, it's a tr- we've got a choice how to respond to that. How are you going to respond in, those, in, in persecution, to offence, fear? You know, how, how will you respond? Well, it, it's, it's a choice. It's a choice. We can be reactive, and that's the easy response, because we just attack 
We can be inactive or we can be proactive. We can actually take a proactive stance. I'm going to follow on a bit more with this in these coming weeks. You see, every character in the Bible, every character in the Bible had to go through a time of preparation, a time of pressure, a time of persecution, a time of tragedy often, a time of, of building that had to happen in them to, to be all that God wanted them to be, even the ones that were really influential. And I just looked at the book of Genesis, and I'm going to quickly look at that just this morning. I won't spend too much time there, but the first book in the Bible, Noah. He was a righteous man, the, the Bible declares, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. God says, go and build a boat. Go and build an ark. And I've got the dimensions here for you. 450 feet long, which is about 140 meters, almost from the front of this property to this colorbond fence. From the front road to the colorbond fence. Think about that. <laughs> so God just says, we'll build a boat. And you go, okay. And uh, it's 75 feet wide and 45 feet high. And I thought, I've got to try and give you a picture of this because I couldn't quite get my head around what that would look like. Have a look at this next picture. That's actually very similar size to what the ark was, a cruise ship. And I don't know about you, but I was like, whoa, that's big. See the buses down the front there? Those full-size buses. And, and that's the size of the ark that, that God said to, to Noah, build the ark. And it would seem impossible. It would seem a crazy thing to do. You can imagine the resistance and ridicule he got from people, even his own family let alone the hard work that would have needed to happen to have, make that you know, happen, to get the food, to get all those animals. And, and for, for 40 days and nights, we, we, talk, we read about it, it's 40 days and nights, you go, okay, well, it's rain. But actually it was 150 days they stood, stayed on the ark. But he did it. Abraham, Abram, Abraham, he was told by God to go, go, leave your father's place, leave your comfort, leave his household, uh, and I'll show you the land where you need to go. <laughs> so he wasn't told where to go. He just told, trust me and I'll show you where to go. Okay, go where? Just go. Well, which direction? Well, just go. Well, but, but how do I know when I get there? I'll let you know when you get there. <laughs> See, Abraham had <laughs> this huge promise in God. You read what it is in the Scripture. It's just astonishing. You know, Genesis 12 verses 2 to 3. I'll make you into a great nation. I'll bless you. I'll make your name great and you'll be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the, peoples on, all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now that's influence, don't you think? And God says, go. Yeah, but where am I going? Just go. Leave the comfort of your father's house. I'll go. But how will I know where I'm going? Just go. How will I know when I get there? Just go. And, and here's the thing, if Abraham, Abram didn't leave home, he stayed where he was comfortable, he didn't get out of his comfort zone, if he didn't take action, would he have outworked God's blessing for himself and for every person, all people? I would doubt it. I would doubt it. God would do it through someone else. You see, obedience brings blessing. There's something I know, there's some things I don't know. But I do know, obedience brings blessing in our lives. Our obedience to God and His prompts, His leading, His guidance brings blessing to us and those around us. As we step in the unknown into uncharted waters, God positions us and empowers us for His promises to be outworked in our lives. And was it straightforward from then? No chance. You know, He wandered around the desert and there's multiple places He went to. 
And you go, well, where's the blessing in that, God? Where, where's that? T- hear this. I'm telling you, this is so key. So key. Because in Genesis 13, 2, it says, so he's wandering around the desert. There's no blessing. There's no answers. He does not tell where to go. He doesn't know where he's going still. Abram had become very wealthy in livestock and gold. You go, hang on, he's just wandering around the desert. God's blessing was there. God's provision was there. He was obedient to God. There was a blessing in God because of that. He was responding to God in obedience. And God, even though the circumstances were the desert, God was still blessing him on the way through. And it talks about how Lot and him had to divide because the, the livestock couldn't survive in, in you know, how large the church, the herds were. And, but here's Abraham's, I'd say, would be his greatest challenge. He had all these promises in God, but he remained childless. You know, without a child, none of that mattered, it seemed. They got the promise, but I have got no children. And God one night takes him outside. He says, look up the heavens, count the stars, if indeed you can. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And here's the key, the next verse, Gen- uh, Genesis fifteen six. Abram believed the Lord and he credited to him as righteousness. Abram believed the Lord. What do you need to believe God for today? What do you need to believe God for today in your circumstances, in your situations? What do you need to believe God for? Because Abraham, he had nothing, and yet. You see, his faith is a model for us. (laughs) I'm going to have to finish soon, but he didn't have any bible he didn't have any church support he didn't have anyone praying for him he didn't even have the ten commandments yet he had probably no idea about heaven and hell about life and death see here's what really matters church he heard the voice of god and dared to simply believe he could trust him who spoke he just had this the gentle whisper of god in his ear he risked his life, his security, his possessions, his family, his reputation, his future, and eventually even his son on the promptings of the Holy Spirit of God in whom he believed. <laughs> it seems so, so often we have so much. We have the Bible, it's wonderful. I read it every blue moon, you know. I go to church every now and then too, you know, and... Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm saved. I'm a Christian. And yeah, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure I am. And, uh, you know, I could go to Bible college and I could, um, you know, I could do all that good stuff. And, uh, um, you know, and, and, and I, I worship. I'm, I raise my hand sometimes even in worship. And uh, I'm sure I praise God sometimes, you know. Yeah, but do you really have the faith to believe? Do you really trust in God? You see, God is just looking for the basic thing, the simple thing in each one of us. He's just looking for us to respond to him in obedience. And out of that obedience brings his blessing. We don't know how long the season is. We don't know if it's going to be days or weeks or years or decades. We don't know. All we do know is that we have to respond to God in obedience. And as a consequence of that, I can guarantee you there will be a blessing. There will be a blessing. For you and for me, there will be a blessing. Hmm. So much more I could have given you on that, but I can't. 
I will say this. At 10 years, Abram and Sarai took it in their own hands and they decided to produce their own child through their maidservant, Hagar. And they had an Ishmael. Didn't work out well. They, they forced things. They tried to force things. 24 years after they left their father's home, 24 years of the promises of God, 24 years of childlessness, 24 years of wandering around, finally, finally, God changes his name to, to Abraham, father of many. Finally, they had a child. He was 100 years old. Sarah got her name changed to Sarah, of course, at 90. They had a child. Impossible. No, apparently not. Apparently not. And we look at Isaac's life, and we look at Jacob, his son, and we look at Joseph, his son. Every one of them had amazing things they had to battle through. They all lived significant, influential lives for God. But they had to battle through. You see, church, the message I want to give you today is really simple if we, if we really break it down. Don't get discouraged in the tough times. Don't allow the opposition to kill the dream within you. God will use it for good. He works all things for the good of those who love Him and called according to His purpose. All things, not something, all things. All things. Let's stand together this morning. Let me pray for you. Let me pray for you. Look, if something has been stirred in your heart this morning and that you're carrying something... I, I just while the eyes are closed, I'd just like you to respond to the message. If that's you this morning, you feel like, God, that was a message for me. That, that's what I need to think about. That's what I need to address. Just put your hand in the air just so we, we can agree together here this morning. I know it's me. I can tell you. I know it's me. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to respond to you, God. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the water that washes over us, God, that fills us afresh, that purifies us, God, the word of God. God, we thank you for this opportunity to worship you, to love you more. But God, we thank you for where you've got us positioned, even in the midst of tragedy, even in the midst of tough stuff, in, the, in tough times, God. We recognize that you've got a purpose in this, God, that you'll work all things for the good of those that love you, call according to your purpose. And right now, God, we ask for you to move, to work, to do your thing. God, in each one of our lives, in every circumstance, in every situation, God, we don't get ahead of you, but God, we don't want to drag behind you. We want to be with you, walking with you, God. God, we thank you for this opportunity to worship you here, God. I pray you just, it just reinforces that dream, that thought, that thing in you to, to go to the next level, to press through, to commit to that what God has put in your life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And just if you want to put your hands down, just one other group of people I want to pray for here this morning. And maybe you're one of those that when I said, do you really, really, really believe, you weren't sure. You went, I don't know. Thanks for listening to the message today brought to you by Baylife Church. We hope the message leaves you feeling challenged and inspired to live out your Christian walk. Please tune in again for next week's message.